Hello, coders. Good afternoon. Looks like the intro isn't going to work, <laughs> so we'll just get on with the uh, get on with the show. I'm a little bit late. I do apologise. Uh, hello, it's episode 147 of the How to Code Well podcast. I hope everybody is doing well. We're live as we usually are around eight o'clock here on Thursday evening. Um, today we're going to be talking about bugs. I'm continuing on the discussion or the topic that we're going to be doing throughout February, and that is all about bugs. In January, we had uh, the topic was about improving as a developer, as a as a software engineer, and in February, it's all about bugs. Um, so last week we did a talk about what is an acceptable bug. And today we're going to be talking about how to fix a bug. Before we get into any of that, though, uh, let's just quickly run through the changelog. I am a little bit late, so I will try and speed through as much as possible. Um, so in the changelog yesterday, I gave a talk, my first talk uh, in 2022 to uh, a user group called uh, PHP Southwest, which is based in Bristol, Bristol in the UK here. And the talk is uh, uh, getting code confidence, uh, having code confidence uh, using PHP Stan. And uh, it was the first time I gave that talk and it was, um, uh, I thought it went really well and uh, I, I loved to hear the feedback from everyone. It was great. And there was a lot of questions at the end, uh, which was always nice. And a lot of people came to speak to me afterwards and I, I, I sought a few out and um, we had some great discussions and uh, yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to be giving that talk again. Um, there's two user groups that I'm giving that talk to coming up on the 22nd of February. I'm giving that talk to uh, the Symphony user group in Portugal. That's going to be a remote talk and I'm also giving it to the user group, which is the Drupal Northwest user group uh, on the 8th of March. So I'm going to leave links in the show notes once I finished this podcast. Um, I haven't done it yet because I just didn't, haven't given myself enough time to prep for this, uh, this show. Uh, I'll leave links in, in the description of that. Um, yeah. So this is really cool. And the, uh, the feedback that I got yet last night, I'm able to alter the slides and make it better. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, improving that talk because I think it's um, I think it's a good topic. Um, OK, so on Tuesday, when we went live on on YouTube, uh, we fixed a particular unit test that I was struggling with. And we were actually using Xdebug as a means to test the code. Um to sort of step through using the, the debugger to actually get to the point in which the test was failing. It was all about files. Uh, so downloading files from uh, via PHP and uh, it was causing uh, no end of issues. Um, I, I actually got to the point where I fixed the issue, um, fixed the test, but it was interesting because the test that I fixed actually highlighted huge amounts of architectural issues and code smells that we will be fixing um, probably next week, I would imagine. Um, it just kind of highlighted areas of the code that I need to refactor. The test was about uh, downloading a particular file based on a user export. So the feature was 
excuse me, a user exporting their data from howtocodewell.net. And then that comes back as a JSON uh, format. And the test was to test that or part of uh, that unit of work. And it just highlighted that uh, the code was written in such a way that it was just very messy. And so I had to do a lot of mocking and stuff. So the reason why I want to talk about that is because the uh, live streams that I do when I code, it's often me pulling my hair out and uh, struggling with code. And I think that's great to demonstrate how a developer um, who has my uh, years of experience is still struggling <laughs> every day with uh, those kind of those kind of things. Um, also, uh, I did a a YouTube, a Discord, and a Twitter poll recently uh, regarding stopping the music whilst live coding and. <laughs> we didn't have the intro today. That was not planned. I was hoping to have the intro in, uh, but the uh, sound just didn't work. But this is this is actually the poll is to do with live coding. So when I'm actually coding, I have uh, a, a series of tunes going on in the background. Sometimes I will live code for an hour. Sometimes I'll live code for, for uh, well, I've gone all the way up to five hours before, uh, I think four or five hours. So I would normally have a tune going and playing in the background. And um, it, it someone sent me a message uh, last week suggesting or saying that uh, they didn't like it. They didn't appreciate the music. Uh, it was like, um, I think what they said was it was like listening to uh, their neighbor's music through the wall <laughs> or something like that. So anyway, that's um, pushed me to create a poll to actually ask the audience whether they want to have um, the music playing or whether they would prefer silence or whether you would prefer it to be um, uh, the volume to be up or down. And actually a lot of people are saying that they prefer silence. So maybe we'll be doing that Um I'll be trying that out maybe, but the poll's still going and it's going to be going until probably Sunday. So, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll discuss it on Twitch and, and so forth. So yeah. So if you haven't voted yet, or if you want to vote more than once, then do check out the community tab on YouTube, the, uh, Twitter poll that's at how to code well and our discord, how to code well.net. If you are not joined yet, yet, uh, go there, how to code well.net forward slash discord, totally free to join. And there is the poll in the announcements channel. Okay, so let's crack on with today's uh, today's show and talk about how to fix a bug. Now, this may seem a little weird. I mean, <laughs> surely fixing a bug is pretty straightforward, right? It's not because there's uh, there's a process, and that process changes depending on the type of project, the type of bug, the thing that you're working on. Um, and so, what I've done is I've broken down the process in um in sort of generic terms if you will and i want to talk discuss that um so it's the process of fixing a bug so what i'm going to do before we start i'm just going to uh, i need to make my notes a bit bigger so i can actually see them <laughs> okay so what i've got is one two three four five steps five steps of fixing a bug there may be more this is just what I could think of off the top of my head uh, when I was planning this earlier in the week. So the first one, we'll, we'll talk about what those steps are, and then we'll go into the detail of each of those steps um, 
uh, once I've discussed what the steps are. So the steps are number one, investigate and discovery. Number two is test and verification. Number three is fixing. Number four is test and verification. And number five is deployment. So interesting that test and verification is in there twice, but we'll, uh, we'll discuss that as we go. So first of all, investigation and discovery. So let's say, for instance, there is a bug that's come in, uh, a bug report, and you have been allocated as the developer to fix this bug. Now, there is, there's a, a period of time that you have to dedicate for investigation and discovery. All you have to begin with is a ticket that it might come through Jira, it might come through uh, Trello, it could you know, whatever. It could be even just be a post-it note that someone's put on your on your monitor to say that there is a bug. There is a bug. Um and it's then up to you as the developer to to do a little bit of investigation and discovery work to actually see if you can replicate that issue and then discover what the fix could be. So um as I've used this phrase before, as a developer, you have to see it see your job when you're fixing bugs, like a bit of a, 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 a detective, you're doing a bit of detective work. Um, you have to find all the detail and you have to read between the lines and you have to discover the various different entry points of, uh, of this bug. And you need to come up with a solution. And often this is time boxed. Um, so, okay. So there's a couple of questions that one needs to ask as a developer when they are handed a bug. And that is, so is there a specific uh, user account in a specific user state that is required for this bug to, to happen? Um, so what you're doing now is, is you're trying to find the detail that leads you on to replicate this issue. Um, because once you can replicate the issue locally, on your local machine, then you can, you can start playing around in a sandbox environment for a fix. So for example, you might be able to replicate the issue on, on a different environment, say staging environment or a pre-prod environment or even production environment. But it's always best if there is any code change that needs to happen, that that happens locally on your machine. So you know, you shouldn't ever be doing any kind of uh, deployment or not deployment, sorry, development work uh, in a raw sense on the production server. You shouldn't ever just SSH in and then just tweak the code. <laughs> so what you want to do is bring that environment, the environment that is failing down to your local box and then be able to replicate whatever the issue is. So I'm being a little bit sort of, um, what's the word? I'm being very abstract here because I haven't talked about what the bugs could possibly be because, you know, they could be anything. They could be anything. But really, as a developer, you want to be concentrating on getting your environment into the same state that uh, allows you to re replicate that issue. And as a developer, you also need to document how you got to that state too because you might just have a bug report that just says this going to this thing fails with this particular account. 
but it probably doesn't go into the detail and the depth that you need in order to actually bring up a system to replicate what what that environment actually is so the one of the questions then is you know is there a specific user or user account that is needed in a particular state if it's particularly to do with a user um is there a specific uh, state that the database needs to be in. Maybe it's a, a, a bug that doesn't relate to users, but it does relate to data that's stored in the database. And maybe you're out of sync. Your local machine is out of sync to whatever the schema or the data um, is on whatever environment it's failing on. Excuse me. So is your local environment set up correctly to replicate this issue? Now I've learned a lot, a lot on, uh, on data on uh, the database but it could also be an issue with say assets. So it could be like um, an invalid JPEG or image, or it could be a video file or an audio file or something. It could be a problem with CSS. And it could be that your, your environment just isn't set up in the same way as the environment that's failing. So you need to come up with a plan in order to, to sort of like um, migrate your system to be to, at that exact point that it's failing. Okay, so you also need to find out whether it's a front end issue or a back end issue. So, and and this could this could be inter intermixed. It could be both. It could be both. It could be a a, a front end issue that is the um, the the byproduct of a back end issue. If if that makes sense, this often happens when you're dealing with code that is. Um, uh, that the front end is making a call to the back end and the back end is not sending back what the front end expects. And because that the, the, the front end is getting something different, the front end is then broken, doing something differently. And so you would, you would assume that it's a front end issue, but actually it's a back end issue because they're just not, um, uh, communicating well, shall we say? They're not communicating well. You also need to ask how often does this bug occur? Is it specifically for a user in a user account? And you may have to do a bit of analysis. Uh, if you're working on a, a system where you actually have a lot of user accounts, you may need to do a lot of uh, am impact analysis. So working out how many users are actually affected by this, because this may require you to put out some sort of uh, notifications some message. You may have to contact users um, or it could be not a user thing and it could be something completely different where it's uh, specific to, I don't know, a browser, like a browser version. So maybe this is only happening on Chrome on a particular version or Windows on IE 11 or something daft. Once you have that that kind of information, you can then make a sort of a, a decision as to the importance of this error. So, for example, if it's a browser issue and that browser issue is used by a very, very small percentage of your user base, then that might suggest that it is a, actually a lower priority bug compared to the other bugs that you've got on your plate. Um, because the fix is only going to be helping out a very small amount of users. Obviously, obviously, you want to make sure that your application runs as smooth as possible for as many users as possible. But that simply isn't the case some some of the time. Um, okay, so uh, the next one. 
if it's a low priority bug, what is the repercussions of not fixing that bug? <laughs> you know, what is what is the repercussions? Is it uh, it, could it just be handled by customer services? Could it be handled by a different uh, a different quote unquote fix? Could it be handled by a temporary fix or is it, you know, could you, could you write a, a, a script that adjusts the data manually sort of papering the cracks, if you will, or is it a case of actually, you know, it's a high priority thing. There's a lot of users being affected here um, and you need to get on it pretty quickly. So what is, what is the repercussions of the priority in which you put on the, the, the ticket? Now you may not be in charge of prioritizing tickets. It could be that uh, the, that's this decision, sorry, this decision has already been done and it's out of your hands and you've just been asked to fix this thing. No questions asked, get it done. Um, that's cool. That can happen. That's cool. Um, but it's always good as a developer to have a little bit more understanding and context around what the issue actually is. At the end of the day, when we write code, we write code for our, for the end users, the actual people, the humans who are pressing the refresh button and going, clicking on, on our links, right? So there is a human element to all of these issues. If it's broken for one person, then that person is going to have a bad day, you know? So there is a, there is a human element to all of this, of course. Okay. Um, has anything been recently deployed that might be causing this issue? Okay. So this, this could be the byproduct of, or, you know, the thing could be failing because of a deployment that happened. It might be based on a different feature, completely different, but some, you know, the, the way I look at web development sometimes is like, it's a load of Jenga. It's a Jenga, a load of Jenga blocks. And so you're pulling out a Jenga block because you're refactoring it. And then you're, you're putting another block on top, you know, cause it's a new feature on top, but you fix the, you've taken out the technical debt at the bottom. Um, but sometimes it doesn't always keep stable. <laughs> sometimes you'll change code without actually thinking or knowing um, that that code that you've changed for the benefit of your feature that you're working on is actually reliant is being relied upon by another feature. And because you've made that small little tweak and change, you've actually gone ahead and broken something, something that is in your opinion, not related to the thing that you're dealing with, but you weren't aware that there was code that was hooking into this thing that you've been adjusting. So it could be, it could be that there has been a deployment that's happened recently and it's just thrown this feature that you're having to fix out of whack. And it might be that when you look at both of these features, they're completely unrelated, but because the code has been abstracted so much, it could be that uh, they, they share common ground, common pieces of code, and that commonality has changed and it's broken feature B, but fixed feature A. Okay. So you also need to think whether or not this bug is a wider uh, ongoing issue. So it might be that you've been given this little, this, this ticket, but actually this ticket belongs to a bigger set of tickets. And, 
this is this is this is an interesting one if you've just joined a team and you're not aware yet of the landscape of the of how they deal with their epics and their user stories and how things are all linked together subtasks and all of that stuff if you've been given a task to do it's always good to try and uh, look above that look beyond that and see if this ticket is actually related to other things um, and maybe those other things are being actively fixed and actively worked on. So that's, um, that's always important to, uh, to, to take that to heart. Um, okay. So in terms of logging then, right? Because now we've discussed, we've, we've discussed the, the possible, uh, ways of, of adjusting your environment and, and so forth. Let's now talk about debugging because this is, this is super important. Is there any stack traces that you can grab? Is there anything that you can um, uh, analyze in a, a log? Sometimes it also means that you have to tail the logs and or follow the logs. So that's what I meant by tailing the logs. Tail minus F in Linux will tail the last 20, uh, I think it's the last 20 lines, but because you put in minus F, it's going to follow so it might be that you're having to filter the logs and watch them live or or in a in a particular environment to see if if you can actually see anything in the logs that would suggest what is the problem what what is causing this issue so do check uh, where the logs are do check whether if you've got any monitoring going on see if you can uh, basically pick up as much information as you possibly can about this particular issue or other issues that happen around this issue as well, because, you know, like I said, it could be that this is being triggered by something completely irrelevant. OK. There's a question that one needs to ask, and that is, can this bug be fixed? Because there are non-fixable bugs out there. I mentioned earlier about the browser compatibility. You know, that could become a thing where it, the the development effort is too much to actually fix to 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 utilize in order to fix this for such a small amount of of users um it could also be an issue where this error has happened because the platform um needs to be upgraded it needs to be improved it could be that this issue has happened because a a, a package has been updated um, and so you, the, f the fix can't, act it can't actually be fixed because something else has to happen in order for it to be fixed. So this is where this becomes, um, blocked. So it's a blocked thing because there is something else in the way for that fix to come, come into play. It could also be the case that yes, uh, this bug is happening, but there's an ongoing piece of work anyway around this area to do with refactoring. So what we're going to do is we're not going to fix it right away, but we're going to just let the team who's doing the refactoring of this particular feature aware of this, this issue. And so they'll pick it up when they actually, you know, get, get to that point. So it might be a case that you're not actually going to fix this right away based on your discovery and your investigation. Okay. So, um, how long is it going to take? This is, <laughs> this is, once you've got all your investigation stuff done, once you have a little idea as to the root cause of the issue, then it's time for estimation. And this is, this can be a bit tricky 
because sometimes you need to attempt to do the fix in order to see what else is wrong, right? Sometimes it's it's not always the case where you just fix one line of code and and it goes away. Sometimes the fix actually causes other issues. Um, (laughs) So how long is it going to take? That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. But I mean, depending on the bug, you might be, you might have a, de- a decent estimate, but also include the time it's taken you to do the discovery. So if this has taken you half a day to actually do the discovery, then that's already taken you half a day to do the fix. Um, unless, of course, what you do uh, it's, in certain teams do this where they'll have time for discovery, time for fix, time for QA and UAT, and then time for deployment. It depends on how your project is set up, of course. Um, one thing that's super important is that do you actually have approval to, to, to work on the fix? So this bug's come in, you need to do a, bu- a bunch of investigation. And then based upon that investigation, you have a discussion with whoever is in charge, who is technically minded, who knows about this stuff. And then they may say, whether or not to actually go ahead with your recommendations of, of that fix. Because, um, what, um, what I try and do when I am up against a bug and I know that there is, um, a a series of possible solutions and each solution will have, um, its own negatives and positives then that is an air that is ripe for discussion. You, you, you mention that to the wider audience of your team and you see what they say. And, and then from that, you would gain the approval to actually work on your proposal, your proposed fix. So once, um, once you have an idea and once the investigation discovery process is, is done, once you have an idea of what the root cause could be, then it's time to test and verify. Um, so notice we haven't actually done the fix yet. This is this is an interesting one, and not a lot of teams do this. But when they do, I, I find personally that this is this is great because you're improving your your um, continual integration, and you're improving your testing, and you're improving the code going forward. So. When I say test and verification here, I mean, once you have it on your environment and you can actually replicate the issue, what, uh, what you could do if you have time allowed for it, um, or, you know, if, if you've, I should say, if you've allowed time for it, not if you're allowed time for it. So if you have allowed time for this in your estimation, then what you could do is see if you can automate the replication of that issue. So, you could do this through an acceptance test, you know, so you, you go through a series of steps. Maybe you have to fill out a form. Maybe you have to log in as a certain user with a certain account in a certain state to get to this point. And then you go to a certain page, you press a certain button and then it fails. So you know what the expected outcome should be, but it's failing. But what you've been able to do is create some automation to actually automate that. And I would highly recommend looking at cypress.io as a means of creating an automated end-to-end test suite. The reason why this is really cool is because once you actually have the fix, once you've actually 
develop the bug fix. You can then rerun this, and in theory, it should pass because you've you've taken it to the expected outcome of passing. And this test and verification verifies that your fix is actually doing the thing that it should be doing. Um, of course, this um, you uh, uh, end-to-end testing might be something that is too heavy for this fix. Maybe it's a case that a unit test would work, you know, or um, or an integration test or something like that. So basically, just create a, a means of of trying to automate the failure in an automated way. So you just run a command and it fails. That way, once you've got the fix, you can then run the command again. It it then runs that test and it should technically pass. It also means that you can put this back into your pipeline. And that means that uh, this bug will never crop up, come up again, right? Because you're always checking that this uh, isn't an issue. So this is essentially creating a uh, failing test case. So it's a failing test case because you haven't built the fix yet, but you, you've got something that is automatically auto, something that is automated that says that it fails under these conditions. And these conditions are the conditions that you've investigated in point, in point one, in the first point. Let me have a, a slurp of tea a minute because my throat is going, woo. Sorry. <clears throat> Okay, so now we move on to the actual fixing of this. And um, so this is where it gets a little bit funky because I've tried to keep this nice and generic, (laughs) but it's been a bit difficult because my brain started thinking, well, it could be a browser issue. It could be an asset problem. It could be a CSS problem. It could be a PHP problem. It could be a data problem. And I've tried to sort of wrap this in a very sort of abstract, generic kind of way to talk about bugs in general. Um, But the first thing to do is obviously create that failing test. So make sure the test is failing. Um, And then uh, you want to write a fix that will make that test pass because that's then you verifying that it it passes. There is a question to be um, uh, asked here, depending on the bug type, could this be could this bug be already um, brought up through um, a continual integration pipeline? So maybe this bug is based that like the, the root cause of this bug is because something happened that would have normally been picked up through static analysis, like PHP stand leaning on my talk again. Um, or maybe it could be something where there just wasn't a test case for it. So, this um, does this mean that you can actually up, adjust and improve your CI pipeline? So, does the CI pipeline need to be updated to ensure that this bug doesn't happen again? Uh, okay. So, do you need to document the fix? Do you need to write any kind of documentation? Not just the ticket, but do you have to? Depending on certain teams, certain teams have different processes and protocols when bugs come in. You know, maybe you need to write. Uh, like a, a, a confluence page to say how it was fixed, what, what the issue was. Maybe you have some in- agreement with your end users, 
you know, maybe you have to include that in a change log, right? That's going to go out to um, publication. So you need to come up with something that then gets approved to go in the change log. So maybe there is a process behind all of that. Sometimes it's not as simple as just, you know, fixing the bug and then doing the plot deployment. Sometimes there is a little bit more red tape and paperwork that is needed for a fix to actually be deployed and, and then pushed out as a version. Okay. So once you've got your fix, you want to create a PR for it, obviously put it in a different branch. So, you know, a, a branch of fixes. Now, sometimes it's like, sometimes people will just have like fix and then hyphen and then the, the bug number. Sometimes teams like to have uh, fixes forward slash and then the bug number or more of a descriptive branch name, maybe. Um, some teams prefer fixes. Some teams prefer fix. Some teams just have a, um, a single string. So no, no, uh, 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 forward slash to denote fixes and features. So learn how to do that, uh, in, in your team. Does the PR need to be reviewed and, and approved? Uh, so does it need to be reviewed and how many people need to review it? Um, and then approve it. And this in itself is its own journey because you are essentially saying that this is the fix and you're putting it up for discussion. And it could be that your fix might not be suitable for the code standards, for the code conventions that have already been decided by the team for the project. And so other people might suggest to do it differently. Also, Sometimes there's more more than one way to actually solve a problem. And so someone might suggest something in the PR as a as a as a comment that maybe it needs to be done differently. Maybe they have found a solution where it's it's um more performant or it's more secure or it does it in a different way or maybe the your fix doesn't implement a feature or a, or a utility class because you're not aware of that particular utility class, but it's actually, um, there in the code. And so someone prompts you to go, why don't you just use this rather than build your own thing? Or maybe there's a suggestion in the comments about how to improve the readability of the code, right? So there, this, this whole PR thing is a big process in itself. Just because you've gone and pushed the PR up for, um, for review doesn't mean that it's going to be automatically approved and then merged in. This is a process in itself. Okay. So depending on your team, your branches could be structured quite differently. You, like I said, you could have your fixes branch, you could have your features branch and so on, but also how those branches get merged in and how the code gets released could be very different for each team. So it, it could be that uh, you have to schedule these these things to go out to, to release. So maybe if you've just fixed it today, it might not actually hit uh, deployment for another day or even another week because maybe you're working on release schedules. And so your bug, because it's been deemed as perhaps a low priority, needs to go in with everything else in the normal release cycle. Maybe it's a high priority bug. And so it needs to go out the door very quickly and sort of override the various different protocols of normal git branching um it that your your project is is currently adhering to but because it's such a severe issue it needs to go out as a hot fix and so that in itself is a is another process 
uh, ripe for discussion. I'll, I'll, I think what I'll probably do is talk about that and PR in a separate podcast. I, I think because they they are quite chunky pieces of pieces of information. Um, okay, so is there a process to release the code and actually get it tested? So just because you create a PR doesn't mean that it's actually going to go to production. There's probably um, another environment that it needs to go in. It needs to probably have some eyes on from a QA team or even a UAT, UAT team. So QA quality assurance, uh, UAT is user agreed testing. Um, that you may have others. You may have other other ways of testing your code as well. Um, there may be other departments involved and, and so on. You know, you you may have to go through some strict um, performance testing and all of that jazz. And all of that, even if your code actually fixes the bug, could come back and say, actually, no, it's you know, it's it's not performant enough. It's not adhering to our um, regulations. Okay, so once you've once you've dealt with that, um, you also need to think about how does this does this fix? Sorry, does this fix highlight other issues in your system? So you may have been looking around the code whilst you've been doing this fix and spotting some actual other issues. Maybe this is um, a, a, a bug that only affects like one one particular user journey, but actually you've noticed that. Other user journeys use this, this particular feature, but they just haven't been, you're just not aware of those bugs. Your team isn't aware of those bugs yet. And again, as I mentioned, maybe the fix that you've just put put in is going to break other things as well. Um, so be very cautious with this. It might be that your QA team need to actually test other things, not just this one fix. It might be that the fix that you've just put in may have an impact on other parts of the code and therefore those other parts of the code need to be tested too. Um, so where are we <laughs> on the list? Uh, is this a temporary fix? That's a question. Is this a temporary fix? As in, is this a fix that will be uh, removed because there is an ongoing piece of work to do an upgrade or refactor this particular piece of, of work. Um, so if that is, you need to put this down as, as notes, you know, this is a temporary fix and it will be removed when such and such comes into play. Um, okay. So, and, and obviously if it's a temporary fix, then maybe it's a case of just, just getting out the door rather than doing it as good as you possibly can. There's no need to be a perfectionist if you know that next week in the next sprint is going to get removed anyway. Um, there are, there are trade-offs to have. You don't always have to write code as brilliantly as possible. Um, when you know that the code is going to be removed, um, anyway, or improved anyway. However, there is a fine line there because in some cases, at least, um, in my experience, the temporary fix becomes the permanent fix. And because it's been fixed in a sort of a, a corner cutty kind of way, then you end up with technical debt. A decision has been made. A workaround has been made to get this out the door quickly because there was at that time scope for changing the actual feature and maybe changing it out to, to, to do something completely differently or just refactor it differently. Or maybe it's, 
in a in an area of low performing code and the whole thing is going to get addressed you know but then when it got to the point of doing that maybe the budget was cut or maybe the time things got in the way and so um that never happened <laughs> okay so for visual fixes does this break other browsers and displays outside the scope of the testing requirements so again is this fix going to affect other things and break other things just because you fixed IE doesn't mean you've just broke, you haven't broken Chrome, you know? So, so you go and fix one browser, but you break another one. Um, again, these are important for your testers to know that, um, to, to go and test and verify this fix on other platforms on other things. Okay, so now we move into the testing and verification phase again. Um, so this is when it goes through a QA or UAT team. In some cases, this doesn't happen, and maybe it's just the developer doing it. In other, in 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 larger teams, at least there is a QA team and, and a UAT 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 team. <laughs> um, but as a developer, you need to update the test requirements to actually tell your your QA team how to test it, how to actually do it. And it might be the case that they are doing it manually through just, you know, refreshing pages and going to various things and filling out forms as a normal user would, or your QA team may be creating automated tests based on your feedback, your testing feedback. So it, and also, and also it might be the case that this requires a regression test because the fix is happening in a piece of code that is being used by so many other parts of the application that a regression test is needed, or it could be just be a minor regression test of the feature. So, you know, you this feature has actually 10 parts to it. You fix two parts. So just regress, do a regression test of all 10 parts rather than just do a regression test of the whole system. Um, so it's, it's knowing what the risk is. It's knowing what the risk is. Um, and of course, QA would need to come up with their own estimates of time as well. Um, and that would be based off of the back of your investigation and discovery. They would obviously be aware of what the ticket would be, the headline would be, but based on the developer's experience and investigation, they may need to pad that time out because the developer may have found other issues related to this bug, or they may have come up with, as I mentioned, a fix that may have other repercussions um, that need to be tested uh, in a, in a regressive kind of manner. Okay. So, uh, where are we keep losing my place? Um, yeah. So have you updated and added these, the adequate steps to reproduce? Does QA need to up, do, do Q, does QA do QA need to update their own automated test environments if they've got one? Um, and has QA or UAT, have they spotted anything else? Um, because they'll be trying all sorts of crazy things to actually break the, the, the thing. And they'll be trying different ways, other ways that haven't been doc doc documented by the actual, you know, initial ticket ticket. So they may have spotted other things because of this. Um, also it could be that, that, uh, this fix fixes the front end, but breaks the content management system or vice versa. So they may have found, uh, another problem. Um, can this bug happen outside of the scope of the testing requirements? So 
the testing requirements that you put through are does it catch every possible it's a uh, possible way that this bug is actually going to happen um and uh you know does it does it require a, a regression of the feature or the whole application okay so once that's done and you fixed it and qa is happy and uat is happy and it's ready to go then it's a time to actually do the deployment and as, as i mentioned before this is very different for for each project um is it a hot fix do hot fixes get treated differently in your uh, project to to normal fixes as i mentioned do you need to have a change log do you need to actually let your users know what is uh, being fixed in the latest and greatest version it could be that this isn't even a website this could be actually um a mobile app and that needs to be deployed with a with an adequate change log um so has that been written up is there any protocols that you need to follow um for letting stakeholders know that this has been fixed sometimes when you have high priority bugs they have a uh, there's an allotted amount of time in order to get to the root cause of it and during that allotted period of time emails get fired out to various people that says that this is an issue and we're looking into it and then once you've discovered the uh, the root cause then other emails come out go out to say you know to to give everybody an update as to the issue of 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 uh, of the bug you know we've we've done this we found this is the problem and then there's a bit of investigation as to how many accounts or or how many how much damage um has been made because of this issue and then you've got your recommendations implications impacts and all sorts of other things i'm not going to even get into itil as i mentioned on the last podcast um but uh, there there could be depending on what your project is there could be protocols procedures in place that you need to follow when you're analyzing investigating and fixing a bug so yeah who needs to be informed and is there any documentation needed for the bug huh <sighs> well that's it I'm sure there's more. I'm I am pretty positive that there is more things to consider when fixing a bug. On the face of it, fixing a bug doesn't actually sound like an awful lot of work, but actually when you break it down um and you consider the various different uh, possibilities, then it is is actually quite a lot of work to do to actually fi- fix a bug. As I mentioned at the start of this, us developers we're like detectives. We need to investigate the code, read the history of the code, be aware of the changes that have currently happened or or recently have happened, and be aware of how the users use our application. And just be sort of yeah, just be aware of the fact that there is a a, a human being at the end of all of this. <laughs> and um your fix will probably help them get on with their day which is a nice thing to think about a nice thing to think about so i'll just quickly just reiterate um before i go that uh the talk i did yesterday at php southwest that went really well it's the code with confidence using php stan i'm going to give it again to the symphony user group in portugal on the 22nd of february and also the um the drupal user group the northwest drupal user group at the 8th of march 
Um, I will, once this is out and published, I will put in the show notes, the links to those in meetup.com as well. Um, and also I'll just give you the links to the slides as well. Ha, <sighs> right. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding everybody. And, um, I'll see you again next week. I'll try and be on time. Eight o'clock Thursday GMT here in the UK youtube.com forward slash how to cope well this is going to go out tomorrow on the podcast so if you're on spotify do check out the how to cope well podcast and in season one and season two we had all sorts of interesting guests um talking about their experiences and their um their knowledge in coding and web development so go check out those thank you ever so much for watching or listening happy coding everybody take care cheers bye bye Bye.